Today, we're going to talk about how to create an authentic culture and employee experience through the use of data. It's reported that 14% of companies live the values posted on their walls. The inventor and professional who patented the phrase client experience, Kat Colella Graham, stated that the brand of an organization is now being shaped primarily by the employees. So in other words, if you don't have a strong company culture, the employees will end up creating their own. Welcome to the Voices of HR podcast presented by HR Morning. I'm your host, Berta Aldrich, outperformance coach and author of Winning the Talent Shift. Each week, I have candid conversations with HR practitioners, thought leaders, and C-suite executives to tease out what works and what doesn't in human resources, people strategy, corporate culture, and more. Today, we've asked employee expert Tanya Fish, manager of Employee Experience Solutions at ITA Group, to join us. She helps companies of all sizes within a variety of industries create rock-solid employee experiences to bolster productivity, loyalty, and engagement. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you for having me, Berta. I am super excited about this topic today because I think it really stretches across all industries, um, all roles, all cultures. But for our audience, let's start with a strong foundation of what exactly do you define as the employee experience and why is it so important for the company and the brand? Berta, I'm glad that we're starting with the the definition because employee experience is a term used so broadly today. The way that we think about employee experience is as all the touch points an employee has with his or her employer from the time they're very first introduced to a brand, which is pre-employment, to becoming even an alumni of an organization because we so often see in today's world what we call boomerang employees who leave and either come back or become mentors for the company and employees of the company. So important to the company and the brand is how people feel at work, how they feel impacts how they're going to engage and how they impact others. Um, So all of those touch points matter for the employee, but back to the point you made earlier in the podcast, to the customers. If the employees are happy, the right brand that the company desires is going to transmit over to how customers feel. So it really is a cumulative effect of experience with your company. Absolutely. It's not just one thing and it's not just words on paper. Um, I like to say it's the feelings that people are sharing about your company and that's what becomes your brand. It does, because outwardly, from a brand perspective, any touch point that a client has with your company, whether that's through marketing or your client services or um, or sales, that shapes their perception of your organization, which then creates the brand. Um, I read the other day that an employee who is dissatisfied within their organization and let's say maybe is bullied or uh, abused or targeted, that they, 85% of the time, they take it out on their clients. So that clearly says their experience that they have within your walls 
is very much a perception that that they're giving outside your walls. Yeah, I mean, I think if any of us pause and think about that on those days where you have a hard day at work or something mm. doesn't go your way or you see a leader look at you and and give you the finger to say, hey, let's chat, you're deflated. And it's hard to bounce right back and be resilient to show up as the person I think we all desire to for the customers. But those touch points, each of those little pieces of that story I just told matter a lot in how people show up and represent your brand. They do. They do. We're going to have a happiness expert on here in a week or so. And I can't wait to talk about this with them because it is about happiness and it is about showing your culture and your brand externally. So one big question I have for you is, as someone who has sat in the C-suite, but also sat as a manager within an organization, there appears most often to be a disconnect between senior leadership, senior executives, the executive side, what they think the culture is and maybe is being reflected to their clients and others versus the actual culture that the employees are experiencing every day. Can you talk, are you seeing that when you consult with organizations? Is there a dichotomy between senior leaders and what's actually happening in the organization? And what are some tall tale signs for our HR listeners to really identify if there is a dichotomy or maybe it is uh, completely aligned and everything's fine? Yeah. You know, the truth, Berta, is that more often than not, we do find a disconnect And the key in that is really listening to understand what do leaders believe as well as what is the employee perception. Um, Mm. What the people believe and how they behave is what defines the culture and ultimately defines how successful any business strategy will be. You know, we can look back at the famous Peter Drucker quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. This is Mm. why. Um, when what's on paper on websites and what is believed by leadership doesn't match the energy and feeling that people have when they walk in a building, there's likely a disconnect. And, and I think a lot of us probably have worked for companies where you, the marketing for why you should work there looks fantastic and it's award-winning in many cases, but then you walk in the door and your energy is depleted. And that's, it's very different. That's one of those signs, how you feel when you walk in. Um, So the key is listening and really listening ongoing and listening specifically for how the culture is described by different people. An example that I, so how, go ahead. Yes, please go ahead. Yeah. Cause my question was going to be, you know, we'd promised at the top of the hour to, to really shape your culture with data. And I know you're a huge fan, I'm a huge fan of surveys and focus groups and other things that help you truly to identify what is happening within your organization that's shaping your culture. On the flip side, I know that some employees are reluctant or hesitant to actually share their true feelings for fear that, you know, it's not confidential and it could come back to you know, retaliate on them or their promotional opportunities within your organization. So help help us walk through how do you gather that information 
so that you gather the right data and kind of exclude all the noise. Yeah. I think key here is a third party. Often when we go and we talk mm-hmm. about this with clients, they're like, okay, we'll engage our team to do some focus groups. And that we have to pause and really be careful with that because it helps. It does help to hear the authentic words and perspectives of people and, and internally folks want to, to be a part of it, but we have to be very intentional when we work with our clients to say, we would love for you to introduce us and to make sure that everyone knows why we're here, but a third party doing the listening without anyone from the organization present is going to get you better results um, because people will hold back and they won't share their true feelings if leadership is in the room, even if HR is in the room, because there's always a little bit of fear in what would that mean for me and my future. Um, So getting back to data, I think key is a blend of quantitative data through paper-based surveys where you have some benchmark opportunity, but blending that with qualitative data and listening and hearing the real words that people use, the feelings that they emit, and getting a little deeper with more clarity on things that you see in the quantitative data that you can dive deeper into. So you've you've done this for a few years and I'm sure you've had instances where you've been asked to come into an organization and maybe the senior leadership is a little hesitant. They're not quite bought in yet. Um, and you, and you do, you go through the exercise. Can you give us a real world example of a business that maybe had a little bit of trepidation at first? HR did convince them to move forward with us and um, it really changed and inspired the organization and the culture. Yeah, I mean, I what's really important is I love Brené Brown, but she talks a lot about mm. vulnerability. And another partner that we work with uses the terminology confident vulnerability and leadership being a key. Mm-hmm. It takes confidence that you've got a good solid foundation and vulnerability to know that it's never perfect from leaders to open the right. door for this. Um So we really have to have that conversation up front with leaders to say, what you'll get is much, much better outcomes if you pause and if you let us really dig deeper and we'll, we'll take into consideration your perspective and your needs for sure. That's top of mind always, but bringing in that blend of employee perspective and finding a happy middle ground and how you approach things is going to get you the best outcome on the other side. That's that's fantastic. So you actually had a client that I believe acquired maybe 10 or so different businesses and you were asked to come in and not only create values, but this common brand that really fostered the sense of community uh, up amongst these multiple entities that all came together and that were all suddenly part of the same company. So step-by-step, Take our listeners through, what did you do? And was there something that you tried that didn't work? For sure, Berta. For this client and for so many clients going through merger and acquisition and bringing new brands together with different histories and different values that they're coming from, 
it's a really important to listen to the perspective of each company because they do have a specific voice and specific beliefs about what it means that they've come together. And it's really important to segment that audience appropriately upfront. So before we ever do any listening or any culture work, we really seek with the client to understand what are the segments of people that we need to hear the voice of. That's often going to be an executive level, a business leader, people leader perspective. But then in the case of merger acquisition, the voice of each company as well. And a subset of people so that you can't identify somebody's specific voice in the feedback, but get more of a collective voice of each company coming together. So that's step one is segment the audience to make sure you're getting and hearing the voice of each pers- of each new company and each level of the organization. So credible representation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. From a seg- from segments. Okay. Yeah. And then the next thing I would say is really thinking through this survey. Um, what we've been doing in the last, I'll say, five, 10 years is really capturing more about the experiences people have through engagement surveys and less mm. about the feelings people have. Um, we're seeing mm. a shift in how we approach surveys right now to refocus, kind of going backwards to where we were maybe a decade ago. <laughs> But focusing Mm. more on the feelings people have and the satisfaction of employees in combination with the experiences and the engagement survey data that you have. Mm. Because going back to things we've, we've talked about prior in this conversation, the feelings people have are so critical to how they represent your brand. And so are the experiences. Absolutely. And sometimes they aren't willing to reflect their feelings, but maybe they'll better reflect their experiences. Yeah. And there's context from both to really outline what's really going on. If you get just one or the other, you don't have full context of where the opportunity lies to be better. So this is giving you the full picture, Absolutely, the experience and the feelings combined. That's interesting. Yeah. And then the other piece that I very much appreciate in the focus group and hearing the true voice of people is you hear their authentic words. So when defining a brand and when defining values that a company carries through, if you look out there, most companies have about 10 variations of words they use in their value statements. And that's not very differentiating. And I I don't believe that there are any company that has the same culture. So how can we all have the same values that represent us? When you hear people and listen to the words they use, you're going to get much more honest values to represent. And people are going to understand what they mean. And if they understand what they mean, their behaviors are going to reflect what you're hoping for as a company. So that's key, hearing the voice. And then the questions you ask, some of my favorite questions to ask are, yes, please yeah, do tell us. Because you get good words from people and good, like authentic feelings about the employee value prop. Um, the questions I love are: What are two reasons you would you've chosen to work for this company? What are two reasons you choose to stay at the company? Mm. What are your top two reasons that you might choose to leave if you did leave? 
And then this is the fun one. And I like to give context to this one and help them dream. But what are the superpowers Mm -hmm. of the company? So think about superheroes. Think about the superpowers that they have. What are the superpowers that your organization has to offer employees? And with that, you get some really good words that are authentic and real and relatable. I love that. So it's reality, how they're feeling today, maybe projecting out what it could be, and then really ending on a positive note to help you create this consolidated brand, which would be the superpowers. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. So you asked one more piece in this question, what hasn't worked? Um, And when I think about this, I think the key with this is you're not, if you're not engaging and communicating with all employees the same way, you're going to have a disconnect. So that segmentation strategy is something that we see not done well always in terms of hearing all of the voices and then designing solutions that are segmented and targeted to how you communicate back with people, how you celebrate people in meaningful ways and reward them in ways that they feel valued. And that doesn't look the same for every employee type in any organization. So that segmentation gets you insights into, okay, now I understand what matters. Now, what am I going to do with that? And you, you better understand how to engage different audiences in different ways, which will get you better results. I love that because you're, you're going back to, because if you're talking about 10 different companies, each one of them has had their own culture Mm -hmm. that they've created over time. And if you don't meet them where they're at to get them to where you want them to go, it's going to fail. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about failures. And when have you seen this not work the way? Or what are some speed bumps or, you know, um, I guess risks that occur throughout this process that maybe weren't expected? Or you expected them and maybe the organization didn't? That's a good question. And I think there's a number of things that can be speed bumps in the process. Um, The first one that comes to mind is leadership alignment at the executive level, first and foremost, alignment in mindset about what the culture is and how you want it represented. Um, That comes, that's emulated through how they behave. So the words they use, how they show up, if that's not aligned to what you're trying to design the culture to feel like for employees, you're going to have a challenge. Mm -hmm. The next is mid-level leaders. Because they interact every day with your people, if they aren't demonstrating the values that you've designed, the brand that the company has is wanting to represent to employees, it's going to be really hard for those feelings to be felt and and emulated back through the employees who are working with your customers every day. The next thing I would say is having what I'll call right now ambassadors, ambassadors or champions, but people out in different entities within the organization. So like in the example, we just talked about people within each of the 10 companies and at corporate headquarters 
people that are listening and talking with employees that aren't their leaders, but that can bring the voice back. The influencers. Yes. Can bring back to a committee, like, here's what I'm hearing. Here's something that we should be, we need to talk about that's being felt. Um, Hey, we announced this thing. And this is the response that, that people in my area are, are sharing so that you can maintain culture. Because if you launch it, which this is one of our challenges, we launch big things at companies with a lot of hype and a lot of energy. And sometimes it's at an event. Um, you invest a lot in those big launch campaigns. Mm-hmm. You do. But it can fall flat if there's not a, a sustainability plan and communication engagement strategy to carry that through. And those ambassadors and a committee hearing is a key part of that sustainability of the brand. And brands change. So creating, they evolve. So they do. It's, it's also that feedback loop to continually evolve the brand. And so you have this continual feedback loop. So I have so many questions for you. <laughs> um, this is so awesome. So as someone who has sat in both a marketing role and head of human resources, CMO, CHRO, a combined role, this is perfect because what you're saying is marketing and HR really need to partner together to make this successful both from an internal standpoint and external, they're interrelated. You cannot separate the two functions. You hit the nail on the head. Is that true? Oh my gosh. We like to say, actually, when we're working with partners and clients, think of us as marketing for HR. (laughs) Because what the disconnect often is, is one department or the other takes on the Mm -hmm. brand work. They do. But if not done in collaboration, there's going to be a disconnect at some point and it won't there probably is. really get to the heart of people if it's just marketing mm-hmm. or get to the heart of how do I market it if it's just HR. Absolutely. And I guess at, at the end of the day, if you play that out, who suffers? The employees, the clients, leadership. I mean, everyone suffers if you don't have this partnership between the two functions within the organization rallying together. That's terrific. That is terrific. I, I, I don't think, do you see that most organizations do that today, that, that marketing and HR are attached at the hip when it comes to brand and employee satisfaction and employee happiness? And do you think most organizations get that? I think more are trying to figure it out. Mm. But those, those two business areas, Berta, you probably know better than anybody, aren't naturally very connected in their work. So it, it right. does take very intentional effort and collaboration by design to figure it out. And, and I would say some are trying, others haven't realized that that's a need yet. At one point, you can always tell whether these two organiza- two functions within an organization are really partnering well if you go out to their website and you see that the brand is saying one thing on the homepage and anything referring to the employees or the employee process, um, whether you're going to apply or even looking at the job description to see if they're in sync or not. And that will tell you if the two functions are working well together. Spot on. 
when I go and start to evaluate where opportunity might exist with certain clients when we first start conversation, one of the first things I do is go look at their careers page and see how they're representing themselves, not just to customers as a brand, but perhaps more importantly, to their employees. And we're getting better universally at this, but often mm-hmm. if you go to the careers page, it's, it's pretty flat. And it's a list of benefits and a list of job titles and a list of locations where you can work, but not Mm -hmm. stories and not feelings and not the culture coming to life per se. Um, It's getting better. There's more companies doing a better job at that, but there's still a lot of disconnect there. So all of you HR folks that are listening (laughs) in today, Go check out your careers page on your own website. Make sure that it aligns to your brand. I would love to help anybody that needs it. She can help you. (laughs) So tell me, we had talked earlier too about, I think it was a campaign for PetSmart and how you really, you and your company really turned things around. So tell us a little bit about that. And are there components of that campaign that maybe some of our listeners could leverage in their own organization? First, I have to say I can't take credit as as a partner for all of the success that PetSmart has had with their employer brand because their total rewards director had the vision and got things started. We came in a little bit after after he got things started to support the work. Um, But the employer brand created at PetSmart has been evolving for many years. And it really did come under the leadership of the total rewards director, whose belief was that everyone should get out of work what they put into work. And that total rewards means a lot more than just compensation and benefits. So that's a lesson number one we'll leave with listeners. Total rewards does not need to mean just on paper what people get from the employer. It's also those feelings that people get from the brand. So his vision was great. Um, He also will tell you that he broke the traditional customer engagement model. And Berta, you mentioned this earlier in the conversation. Mm -hmm. He believed that the customer engagement model needed to start on the inside with the heart and the energy that employees brought to work. And that if that came through, there would be a positive customer experience. So Mm -hmm. what's non-traditional about this is this is a total rewards director thinking like a customer experience director, but it, it, it matters a lot. Mm -hmm. So how this came to life is they first created hashtag life at PetSmart, which is a way for them to socialize the culture of work on the outside because the belief and the understanding from from PetSmart was culture is easy to understand on the inside, easy-ish, we'll say, (laughs) but it's much harder to show on the outside. So by creating Mm -hmm. this campaign that they use, Life at PetSmart, they could start to share stories and share feelings and share the energy of what the culture felt like on the inside with the outside. And you could start to see purpose in how the employees showed up um, and in the surveys that they took. 
where 90% of their associates were willing to recommend the company's products and services after they got this work started. And 96% were saying that they truly felt they belonged. But where they started was listening. So going back to the very beginning of our conversation, this Mm. all started with listening and a survey and them hearing their values are not relatable. They were flat, traditional, off, off, out of the dictionary value statements. So they redid them and they made them real words with feeling through the words that employees shared about how they feel about working at PetSmart. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you remember any of those values that changed? So maybe what one of the traditional value statements was versus what it was after, because as a, as a customer of PetSmart, I have a pet, love her dearly. I love going in there and the people who work there interact with her in such a positive way. You can tell that they love animals. I cannot, Berta, recall the original values, Um, but what I can say is that the new words used are so fun and so relatable. I'm trying to grab them really quick if I can dig them up because that's okay. They are um, they're just fun and they're energized and they're not from the dictionary. They're all pet smart. You can't find them in other companies because they're so relatable and so personal to who their brand is and how they represent their brand to their pet parents through their employees. Um, So I would encourage the audience. How about we leave it here? I'll encourage the audience to go check out PetSmart's values and see how they are different from perhaps your own values and how relatable they in fact are. As a pet parent. As a pet parent, the customer as a pet parent. Yep. That's terrific. That even that language right there is different. Absolutely. Right? Instead of a pet owner, I'm a pet parent. Yeah. And I think the key with the Life at PetSmart campaign is it it didn't just launch and stay as that. So it's great to create a social media campaign and to try to influence through that and to create new values that are relatable. But again, if you launch them and leave them your culture is not going to continually evolve and the behaviors people demonstrate, especially in retail where you have high turnover naturally. You do. That's not going to carry through unless you, you create a sustainability plan, I like to call it. So where we came into play with PetSmart is working on their sustainability plan with their values, which is through their recognition program. So mm. the way that they say it internally is, If you see it, meaning see it, values-based behavior, say it. So if you see it, say it. And then we created a foundation for them to say it and document it and get the data on it through a recognition system. Mm. And that's a way that they continually plug in key initiatives, key challenges, and maintain day-to-day focus on the values that they have created. So this data, so you start with data, the data tells you what you need to do. You continue with the data that then informs what you need to do. So it is that constant circular loop of feedback. It certainly is. And reiteration. Yep. And where do you think most, most companies probably fall short because they stop at one of those, one of, one of those, um, 
bus stops, right? Along the way. Yeah. I think don't this bring is the just feedback loop into human fruition. nature, but we often see a willingness when there's a problem to invest in a big launch or a big program or a big piece of technology. And you, you put all the effort, energy, focus in getting that right. And then you launch it and you leave it. The key is continuous focus and following the data and continuous evolution and making sure that when you create a new cultural initiative or business initiative that you're thinking through, how do you tie it back to that foundation you created in your brand and in your systems to use what you have and not just go launch something new and disparate, the connectivity and the thought and intention behind connecting the dots is really key to sustaining that longer term. And that's where it falls apart for a lot of, of folks is it's a launch it, leave it and not a launch it. And how are we going to carry this through for, te- for the long term? Absolutely. So you quoted a couple of stats before, as we wrap this up, are there any other stats that you can share with our audience that give a compelling reason to at least look at developing or progressing their culture through this approach? I like to think about your um, net promoter score. So, and Mm. more specifically, potentially your employee net promoter score. So when you do this right, your employees are going to be willing to recommend your company to others and your product or service to others. So that's the employee net promoter score. Moving to the next one, the the net promoter score from customers is the same questions. Are you willing to recommend this company to others? That's another really good metric to understand in combination with the employee net promoter. Are are my people feeling good and are they showing up and wanting to bring others into my brand? And then Mm -hmm. from the customer perspective, you'll, you'll better understand is what employees are doing resonating so much so that my customers also feel it and want to recommend. So I really like those two. That is such an excellent point because NPS has been around, you know, for a while. Fred Reicheld, you know, the ultimate question. If you haven't read that book, absolutely go out and pick it up. Um, it's all about NPS, net promoter score. The main question, would you recommend um, this organization? And they found that that was the key driver Um, of growth and loyalty for an organization. Most companies did not make that connectivity back into their organizations, into the employee. So there is a net promoter score Mm -hmm. for employees. And what you're saying is make sure that you have both um, if you want to go on this journey and be successful. Both of those, that's the outcome though. So the other thing I would say is don't forget about the day-to-day listening because Yes. Those are the inputs that are going to help you understand why the employee net promoter, customer net, net promoter are what they are, whether that's good, bad, or somewhere in the middle. Um, the continuous listening is is the data you can actually do something with versus the outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think your your points are so well made. All right. So at the end of every podcast, we do something called rapid fire questions. So these are questions that our listeners want to know about our guests and you answer it. And I rapid fire them to you and you answer them in one to two sentences or less. Are you ready? I'm ready for the challenge, Brittle. Let's go. 
All right. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So what are you reading or what have you read in the past that you would recommend others read? I'm going to say Lemons on, on Lemons on Friday by Maddie Jackson. So this is probably okay. a newer one for a lot of folks, but Maddie Jackson is Alan Jackson's daughter. And this is a story about the difference between happiness and joy and how joy is in your hands. And it's a mindset and a choice and that pain and joy can coexist. Repeat the title again. Lemons on Friday by Maddie Jackson. Never heard of that book. All right, listeners, the difference between joy and happiness. It is a good one. And it comes back to something you said earlier, Berta. You're going to have a happiness expert on, but it's beyond happiness. It's getting from this perspective to sometimes there's pain in life and you can choose Mm -hmm. to find joy. Who are some of the people or experts that you follow and why? I have a whole list, but I'm going to give you five. (laughs) Okay. Um, I love my Brené Brown stuff. Everything she produces is just so enlightening for me, at least. So Brené Brown, Simon Sinek. I love his podcast, Mm -hmm. A Bit of of Optimism. Adam Grant. His writing is great. His podcast, Work Life, I, I love listening to. John Maxwell has a leadership podcast and a ton of books. Love everything he produces. And then the last one I'll leave is John O'Leary. He has a podcast called Live Inspired. Um, So you can kind of see a theme probably if you know these folks. It's about optimism, work life, leadership, um, but they all challenge my thinking and help me show up better in my work and also at home, quite honestly. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions or billions of people, what would it say and why? I think I'm going to go with something that I say a lot in my day-to-day work. Who made your day better today? Tell them you appreciate them. And this is intentional because there's so much negativity in our world that one, this encourages thinking about gratitude. But two, Mm -hmm. it encourages that conversation of sharing with other people. So many of us question how we show up to others every day or if we've given value and how we've shown up to others. So not only think about it, but find somebody that influenced you positively and tell them so that they know. Absolutely. I love the uh, gratitude is always um, great in any situation. Last question. Why should CEOs give HR the credibility that they deserve? Ooh, I like this one a lot. Uh, Honestly, humans make businesses run. And the business, the investment that we make in human capital is likely one of the number one, if not the number one expense for every company. Mm -hmm. So HR and people leaders are crucial to ensuring that that human capital investment is delivering a return through outcomes. Engaging HR helps ensure that the policies, the benefits, the engagement messages, the goals, the compensation, recognition, rewards, the list goes on, that they're aligned to the cultural behaviors and the beliefs and brand that you've created and that you help your employees demonstrate to get to the sale and the satisfied customers that we've been talking about throughout the podcast. 
if there's a disconnect, the success of your culture, and honestly, the strategy, the business are at risk. So we need to lean into our HR folks. They're a key part of making sure that you get a return on that human investment. Okay. So as we close this out today, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to say before we close out? I would just say to our HR folks out there, do not underestimate the impact you can have on your business. Um, More than ever, HR is needed and their voice is needed at the executive table. And there's so much opportunity to rise up in the organization. So take on the learning, take on the new things that are coming to the table of HR and find a path to shine because the opportunity exists right now for HR to really shine in a big way. Couldn't agree with you more. Where can people go to learn more about you and your company? Absolutely. We are everywhere on social. Uh, My company is ITA Group out of Des Moines, Iowa. So itagroup.com is our website. You can find us on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, we're everywhere. Um, But you can go there to find anything about the company. And my name is Tanya Fish. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, You can find me there. And I try to be active in sharing things that I'm seeing and hearing out in the market for others. Terrific. Thank you again for joining me, Tanya. It's been such a pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already left a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd really appreciate it. If you have any feedback or questions about the show, drop them in the comments wherever you listen or email podcast at hrmorning.com. To find me, go to bertaaldrich.com or send me a message on LinkedIn. We'll be back next week with more Voices of HR.